Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. Join me every week on the Unforgettable Luncheon as we discuss topics in the nerd world like gaming, comics, cartoons, and whatever else may cross my mind. You can find me on the socials as SteamedHams81 on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find me as the Unforgettable Luncheon on Facebook. And check out Steamed Hams Merchatorium, the link to which will be in the description of this podcast. The Unforgettable Luncheon, nerd comedy at its okayest. Horror movie hosts have been around since the dawn of television, guiding us through horror films, good and bad, with jokes and skits to break up the terror. Every city had one, and most were sadly short-lived. But one character has been cracking jokes for almost half a century. Sven Gulli, Chicago's rubber chicken flying, bad joke telling horror host legend. So clear the air lanes, clear all air lanes for the big broadcast of corny movies, corny jokes, and Berwin, as we discuss Sven Gulli today on the Unforgettable Luncheon. Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. I hope you're ready for another unforgettable luncheon. Back in the 50s, television was an evolving landscape. Many stations still produced a good amount of programming locally in-house. Sure, you had your big shows like The Honeymooners and I Love Lucy from the networks, and various game shows on the air. But stations often had plenty of time to fill. So local shows were produced. From news, to children's shows, to educational shows, So much was made locally back then. It was not unheard of to have studio personnel host multiple shows. The evening weatherman could just be coming from hosting the afternoon children's program or go to host the horror movie after the news broadcast. The first horror host was Vampira, played by Mela Nurmi from 1954 to 55 in the Los Angeles area, showing mostly low-budget suspense films, as there weren't many horror films cleared for broadcast yet. Vampira was modeled after Charles Adams' Morticia character, who hadn't actually been named yet at the time. She would mock the film and tell horror-related jokes and puns, even asking her viewers to send in for epitaphs instead of autographs. But the true standard wouldn't be set until 1957, when John Zacherly debuted his Roland character on Philadelphia's Shock Theater program. This was made possible by the new ownership of RKO Pictures, which was an old-school film studio, uh, licensing out packages of their B-movie horror catalog. These film packages, called Shock, and a later one called Son of Shock, led stations to independently create horror shows to showcase these films, often titling it Shock Theater, because these stations didn't really know of each other, so... They didn't coordinate and say, hey, he's making shock theater, so I'm going to make a shocker or shocking theater. They didn't do that back then. Zachary introduced a style of set, commentary, and even special effects, like inserting himself into the movie at certain points, which was kind of unheard of in the 50s. And it was a huge deal back then. It was the style at the time. Many hosts have since emulated what Zachary did as an homage to his gr- this groundbreaking host. One such host was Sven Gulli, 
first played by Jerry G. Bishop at WFLD in Chicago. The show was Screaming Yellow Theater, which was kind of named after a snack from the 60s called Screaming Yellow Zonkers, which was like a kind of sweet yellow popcorn snack. While it started simply as a medium in which to show horror movies with no host, it quickly gained one in the form of Svengoolie. Initially, Bishop would just be the announcer for the show's opening and commercial segments, but he would soon start, soon start adding a Bela Lugosi-style accent to those voiceovers. Soon enough, he appeared on taped segments for the opening, closing, and between breaks. He wore a long green wig, a green goatee, sunglasses, striped pants, and white face paint that made him kind of look like a skull or a corpse. He is basically an undead hippie. The show would start with an announcement that the following prescribe is transgrammed, before segueing into Link Ray's Rumble. A celebrity guest coffin opener would appear and sign a guest book. The guest would then knock on his coffin door to wake him up and help introduce that night's movie. He was joined by Zelda, a wisecracking disembodied skull whose voice was modeled after Flip Wilson's Geraldine character. Kids, ask your parents about that one. Or just Google it. I don't care how. I don't know how you kids get information these days. I'm sure you don't even talk to your parents. I'm not sure. He also had visits from Derwood the Dummy, a wooden ventriloquist dummy who was also full of bad jokes. He would make less and less frequent appearances, especially as Son of Sven Gulli came along. Sven would sing, do skits, read viewer mail, and crack wise about the films. The show would be renamed Sven Gulli soon after his first appearance. A young local man named Rich Coase would often send in jokes he wrote for the show. He would later become a writer for the show. Screaming Yellow Theater, or Sven Gulli, would be canceled in 1973 when WFLD was taken over by Kaiser Broadcasting, and the show replaced with The Ghoul, which was based in Cleveland. Now, The Ghoul is another well-known horror host, whose uh, actor, Ernie Anderson, 80s children may know as the voiceover for uh, ABC Network promos, along with other cool voiceovers. The Ghoul was taken off the air in 1974, uh, and in 1978, when Field Communications acquired WFLD back from Kaiser, Bishop and Rich Coase started discussing <coughs> resurrecting the show. In 1979, the show returned as Son of Svengoolie, with Rich Coe's now in the role as host. He wore a black top hat, long black wig, makeup in the pattern of a bit of a corpse, much like Jerry G. before him, a black suit coat, and an ascot. Coe's also did the artwork for the show and would research the movies to find interesting tidbits to share each week. Sven was joined by Doug Graves, played by musician Doug Scharf, for his weekly song parodies. A few of my favorites, such as Boogie Woogie Boogeyman of Berwyn, are available on YouTube. You can actually find them in the Museum of Classic Chicago Television channel. Zelda was replaced by Zalman T. Tombstone, a smart aleck mustachioed disembodied skull modeled after the Ray J. Johnson character. You know, you can call me Ray, or you can call me Jay, or you can call me Ray J., that sort of thing. Uh, he would also do skits such as the Honeymooners spoof, the Svenny Mooners, and Mr. Robber's Neighborhood, about a Mr. Rogers-style burglar. 
He continued running gags from Bishop's Day, such as that he would be pelted from uh, telling a bad joke with rubber chickens, which happened quite often. The gag usually happened after the, the opening introduction and the show's closing. He also continued the joke that anytime someone mentioned the Chicago suburb of Berwyn, a clip would play of an exasperated group yelling, Berwyn! which was a callback to the days when Johnny Carson and Ronan Martin would talk about beautiful downtown Burbank in California. So why not reference a town full of used car dealerships and savings and loans who held a yearly parade in honor of mushrooms? There you go. Now, fun fact, that really cool spire that had a bunch of cars piled on it in the beginning of Wayne's World, that was Berwyn, not Aurora, which are about roughly, give or take, 40 miles apart. Also, before you ask, the Spire has been gone for over a decade, replaced by Walgreens. And believe it or not, watching Wayne's World again as an adult, I realized that a lot of the early location stuff that they showed, like when they were driving the car, was not shot in, in Aurora. It was, in fact, shot in Berwyn and, like, the south side of Chicago. Because I recognized too many damn landmarks. He would still occasionally have celebrity guests on the show as well, but not as coffin openers. More or less cameos or interviews, such as John Pertwee, the third Doctor from Doctor Who, who was at the time plugging a Doctor Who convention in Chicago called TARDIS 21. That interview is actually available on YouTube as well. Uh, And to end each show, as he's hyping up the next week's film, the doorbell would ring, where a visitor whose only visible part was his hand would tell a couple corny jokes to end the show, thereby starting the chicken launch as Sven went back to his coffin. In 1982, Sven had a special showing of Revenge of the Creature in 3D. You could get a special pair of 3D glasses from 7-Eleven for the show. And of course, after adjusting the living crap out of your TV, sitting in a dark room, and all this other stuff, ah, it really didn't work that well. Uh, due to TV technology at the time, you know, it just didn't go as planned. You know, Fox actually tried it again in the late 90s, I would say, with episodes of Married with Children, I think a couple other shows, and they had Revenge of the Nerds 4 premiering, which was in 3D, which also came with these little cards that you scratched and sniffed at certain parts of the movies or episodes with either pleasant smells or smells I'd prefer to forget. So, that worked a little better, believe it or not. Well, in 1986, WFLD was sold to the new Fox network. New management decided that Sven just didn't fit with their programming, so he got canceled. But Rich Coase would stay on with the station in various uh, capacities, such as maybe a fill-in weatherman for the news, or hosting the Fox Kids Club and Coase Zone afternoon kids programming blocks. Hey, remember after-school cartoons? Those were the days. Rushing home to catch your favorite cartoon from school. Thankfully, I lived about a two-minute walk from my school, so (laughs) I was able to usually get home to to see stuff. You know, those were the days. Although, I think Fox was the only one to actually do that back in the day. Um, Cartoons were shown with skits and bumpers done by Coes between shows and commercial breaks. It was a lot of fun. Uh, The 80s and 90s were just a time, folks. They were a time that I will never forget. 
Anyways, where was I? Ah, yes. On December 31st, 1994, Neil Saban, the executive vice president of Weigel Broadcasting, brought the show back on WCIU. Rich Coe's returned, but was now simply Sven Gulli, as Jerry G. Bishop had declared that he had been all grown up. His style changed as well. He kept the suit jacket, the top hat, the hair, the makeup, and the little goatee beard, but he changed it to a red turtleneck, which would later be changed to a a slightly unbuttoned, rumpled, uh, or crumpled, uh, what do you call it, like a like the, the tuxedo shirt, which I think was more comfortable under the lights is why they did it, and I think he actually looks kind of cool. So, ha. He had brought Tombstone Doug and, yes, even Durwood with him to WCIU, although Durwood wouldn't make as many appearances over the years. I don't think has been seen in many years other than background gags. With this era, Sven Surround was started, where Sven would make jokes and sound effects over a segment of the movie. That bit was removed uh, before the fans complained, and it was returned. But now it would be a segment outside of the movie, with either clips from the film kind of thrown together, or old Flash Gordon or Commander Cody serials from the two, from the 40s. In 2006, WCIU acquired a contract with the Universal uh, for the legendary Universal monster movies. The contract also came with the four Abbott and Costello meat movies, which featured the monsters, along with the Hammer Horror films distributed by Universal International. You know, the ones where like Christopher Lee plays a really freaking cool Dracula, and Peter Cushing is usually Dr. Van Helsing. Oh, man, those were good movies. I am not going to lie. Those were awesome. In fact, on May 5th, 2007, the Bela Lugosi Dracula was shown on TV for the first time in over a decade. While on WCIU, the show did hop time slots from Saturday afternoons to Saturday nights at 9, Saturday nights at 7, Saturday nights at 11. And I will tell you this much. This is how much I love the show. It didn't matter what I was doing on a Saturday night. I had to see Sven. If I was at a family party, like either at my own home or at a relative's, I would sneak away to a separate TV to watch my Sven. My Saturday nights when I was an adult, uh, especially after getting out of the military, would consist of going out to the local watering hole, either by myself or meeting up with friends, I have a few adult beverages. Head home, and if with friends, of course, stop for for takeout. And we'd go back to my place and settle in for the 11 p.m. Svengoolie. While, of course, enjoying more adult beverages. A little fun story about this. You know, I used to go out and party and get just blasted. You know, I was, I was young, dumb, and ugly. Now I'm older and wiser. Two out of three ain't bad. And I would often, on my walk home... I would call friends just so that that way I had someone kind of talk to. And I guess I called one of my friends from my bedroom while watching the show. And there was some sort of sketch with the Wolfman and I think Bozo Buckets, which comes from a local Chicago show called Bozo Circus. And my friend told me the next morning that she remembered getting this very babbly, slightly incoherent voicemail from me. That all she could remember from it was Bozo Buckets, Svengoolie, and the Wolfman. That's 
all she could understand out of it. And she says, what the hell were you talking about? And then I sat there and thought for a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, Svengoolie was on. I think they were doing a Pozo Buckets gag, and they had the wolf band with them. And she's like, but why would you call and tell me this? And I said, because I was drunk and thought it was cool. Yeah, that's how bad I was back then. So prior to the Universal contract back in his early days on WCIU, uh, Sven had a bit more freedom in what he could show, you know, well, on a show. Through this, I got to see such classics as Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2, Night of the Living Dead, The Philadelphia Experiment, among others, obviously edited for TV either for content or time because they only had a two-hour time slot and they had to fit in other stuff. Okay, it was it was a great time. He even had a couple of special three-hour episodes in 2009 featuring the 1990s Godzilla with uh, Matthew Broderick and Bram Stoker's Dracula. How freaking cool is that? That's the first time I saw that movie. In 2011, Svengooli moved to sister station WWME, MeTV, and went national. He gained new fans and is more popular than ever. He even has his celebrity fans, and people send him pictures from all over with them wearing his shirts in various locations around the world. They even send him homemade art and the occasional rubber chicken. Not that he doesn't have enough. I've met him on several occasions and can say with all honesty that he is truly one of the nicest, if not the nicest person in showbiz. He doesn't charge for an autograph. He takes his time with his fans. He's very engaged with his fans. He's a nice guy. I, I Rich Coe's is a treasure. Okay. Svengoli is a treasure. Now, heart attack sideline Coe's temporarily in 2012. But by early 2013, he was back in business, with his first post-heart attack public appearance being March 2013 at the C2E2 comic book convention. Now, little side note, that was the first convention my wife and I attended while dating. We'd only started dating a few months prior. And now we go to cons all the damn time. And I can say without exaggeration, and I'm not making this up, his line stretched across the convention floor. And if you've ever been to C2E2, that is no small feat. He even had a phenomenal burger named after him at the now-closed Squared Circle Restaurant, owned by former WWE diva Lisa Marie Varon, a.k.a. Victoria. He's graced the cover of Mad Magazine and has a comic book coming out this week. He's a consistent winner of the Best Horror Host Award in the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. He was even a side character... For a few episodes, well, you call episode strips, whatever, Dick Tracy comic strip in newspapers. There's nothing Sven can't do. Earlier this year, Svengoolie was expanded by 30 minutes, making the show two and a half hours long. It was nice that they didn't have to edit movies down for time, and with shorter films, excess time is filled with classic bits, interviews, even a segment showcasing audition videos for the spawn of Svengoolie. Yes, in 2022, a campaign was launched to find the spawn of Svengooli, where people would send audition videos through the Svengooli app. And no, Sven is not retiring. Just probably looking for a sidekick, you know? Everyone needs a Robin to their Batman, a Jake to their Fat Man, a Gilligan to their Skipper. Hell, my goofy ass sent in a video pretty much the weekend after it was announced. 
But, you know, those who know me know I have a face for radio. But I still wanted to be on TV anyways. That's why this is an audio podcast, though. Because, I mean, who wants to look at this mug? In March of 2022, Sven Tooney premiered. The 30-minute show featured MeTV character Tooney the Tuna as Sven Tooney, who, along with undead video store clerk Trevor Ground and DJ Blobby Blob the Blobfish, Sven Tooney engages in skits and a small recap of a film that probably wouldn't make it on Sven Gooley. I like the show. It's been on for two seasons. It's currently on hiatus. I'm hoping for a third because it's kind of a great thing to round out the Spingley, um evening, uh, you might say. Svengooley is a national treasure. From his humble beginnings as a local horror host to the nationwide celebrity he is today, Svengooley shows no signs of stopping. I look forward to at least a few more years of Sven dodging rubber chickens before he decides to hang up his hat and pass along the torch, or his rubber chicken shield. Well, that's it for another unforgettable luncheon. I hope a good time was had by all. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram as SteamedHams81. And you can also find me on Facebook as The Unforgettable Luncheon. And don't forget to check out my new online store with excellent Unforgettable Luncheon and classic Steamed Hams merchandise. The link will be in the description. Join me next week when the topic will be something nerdy. <laughs>